Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number three. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, on Twitter, at VJourneyman, joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, John. I just want to make sure everybody knows we're both VMware systems engineers, and our topics are definitely going to have a data center slant. But hopefully our career discussions will be relevant across the disciplines and remain timeless. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. To virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome. So that's the third time we've done that intro. How's it uh, going for you? It felt kind of like a hat trick. I mean, you know, <laughs> it felt good. We're, we're getting in our groove. Yeah. It's going to get better. Yeah, Definitely. We'll keep on doing that until we come up with something better. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's get to topics. We are going to discuss uh, the idea of career advancement, which is our main focus on this podcast, and its effect on work-life balance. Does it make it better, worse, more difficult, less difficult? Uh, what is the, that effect? We're also going to discuss a topic, uh, Lauren Malhoyt on our uh, Twitter watch, 2017. Tweet watch. <laughs> uh, so Lauren had a tweet on the 8th of December, and we are going to react to it. It was pretty interesting. All right, so let's move to the first segment. Does career advancement mean worse or more difficult work-life balance? Um, how How do you feel about that? First of all, let me introduce it. We kind of are thinking about work-life balance, right? Because of the Packet Pushers podcast. Uh, they had, uh, let me see, episode 369 was mm -hmm. about work-life balance. Um, so we wanted to, you know, I think we both listened to that. We were both inspired just by the idea of work-life balance. And we wanted to kind of think about it because, you know, again, we are advocating or talking to people who are working on career advancement in their IT careers. So, um, how, how, what is the effect? What does that mean for people? What if we started off by asking ourselves the question, does work-life balance actually exist? Is it a mythical unicorn that we're all chasing? What, what does that mean to you, John, work-life balance? Well, how would you define that? Ah, that's a really good question. You know, what is the definition of work-life balance, right? Uh, I would say off the cuff, that I am spending enough time on my job to uh, be successful at that because that's really important. I want to be terrific at my job, but also have enough uh, free time, you know, to where I'm not living at my job, right? I, I actually want my job to be a an important but uh, just a part. An important part, but just a part of my life. The rest of my life involves my family, any extracurricular activities. Um, you know, some people have a spiritual life that's important to them, a personal life, uh, family life. All, all of those things, you know, are, are really important aspects and, and they need to be balanced. So I would say having enough of those things, you know, where you can bounce from one thing to another and another, and none of them really feels neglected. Um, you know, you're getting the right amount of each. Now, exactly what that right amount is, is probably an individual discussion. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. that? To me, it's sort of like a juggling act, and you're throwing all these balls in the air and trying to keep them all from falling down. But when work gets out of balance, you know, because you're you have too many hours to put in, too much work to do, not enough staff, it can really can really burn on you because it's taking away from some of the things that maybe you wanted to do or you need to do to kind of de-stress. Because as we know, the more you work, sometimes the less you sleep, and perhaps that leads to stress and tight deadlines, things of that nature. So for me, it's always been a struggle. I don't know about you, John, but I've, I've worked at some smaller companies where we didn't have enough staff, I felt like, to maybe do what was expected of us. So I think it is a struggle for a lot of people to bring that into some sort of balance so that you can be yourself with your family, your spiritual life, your hobbies, whatever it is, outside of work. Almost like you have this separate persona that that you need to have outside of just, I do this job every day. Yeah, you know, really good point. I, I think the thing that you touched on was when you work for a company and they are understaffed, you know, the amount of work that needs to be done doesn't go away. They just have fewer staff. And, and unfortunately, I think it's probably part of working for a smaller mid-sized company where, you know, staffing levels just don't, aren't where they necessarily need to be. I think you and I have a colleague, a former colleague uh, who talked about, um, the minimum amount of staff that an IT department needs to have and pointing that number at three, right? Yep, eight, I remember that people. article. Yeah. So, and that's just, you know, even not necessarily for a 24-7 environment because, you know, there's there's overlapping uh, areas of responsibility. Um, you know, somebody needs to be on call and somebody needs to be potentially on vacation, Right. So um, even if one person is working all day, um, you know, regular business hours, then somebody else needs, you know, you need somebody else to be covering on on call. Right. If uh, things go wrong after hours, somebody needs to be able to hop on and do something. And then at the same time, uh, you know, you can't operate that way indefinitely without you know, ever taking a vacation. Right. So you need another person to kind of cover um, vacation. And, uh, you mean you're supposed to get vacation working in IT? Ooh, yeah. 24-7 uptime, that applies to you too, doesn't it? Oh, geez. Yeah, it applies to my wake time, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, definitely not. 100% no. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because in this Packet Pushers podcast, you know, we had Greg Farrow talking about when you're in the situation and work and life are out of balance because you're burning the candle at both ends, having to work weekends and nights, it could actually be a product of of the company using subpar products. Mm. And it's actually a really simple idea, but not something that maybe we think about. Has the company been allowed to buy software or hardware that, for whatever reason, just in and of itself has continual problems to function the right way? You know, I'm not talking about Microsoft patches bombing something but maybe switch firmware that continuously causes issues or some erp system software that is continually buggy and you have to do work nights and weekends to to make it function 
to meet the company's needs. And maybe no one's pointing out the fact that these problems are actually because of the subpar products or the people at the top just don't know any different. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of um, a cost versus fragility, you know, thing. They're, They're not necessarily inversely related, right? Just because you have something that's low cost doesn't mean that it's, you know, extremely fragile. And just because sure. something's really expensive doesn't mean that it's totally bulletproof. So I want to you know, dispense with that right away. But mm-hmm. if a company is selling a product and then they have to provide high levels of support for high levels of service, um, you know, then they are more economically uh, incentivized to engineer it correctly so that they don't actually have to staff their support or bug fix staffing, you know, uh, as high. Right. Sure. Um, so the Maytag man. <laughs> right. So if it's engineered correctly in the first place, then our support costs, you know, the cost of staffing a support uh, group of people is very, very low because we hardly ever have issues. Um, but that isn't, uh, that isn't, 100% correlated, right? So there's there's products that can be very costly that still break a lot. Uh, so, you know, it's just, a, I, I think the, the reason that I'm saying that is that, you know, I've been in that situation. I've been the guy who said, hey, maybe we should go with this, you know, free and open source solution, not to uh, slag on uh, free and open source software. Uh, just that, you know, I recommended that we do that because it was cheaper to acquire. Mm-hmm. But I definitely did not take into account, you know, my time to support that software, you know, just be, you know, because it was free, right? And uh, oh, sure, yeah. So something I don't know. It hit me, and even just sitting here talking to you, it it kind of hit me that maybe I was shooting myself in the foot <laughs> in that uh, time frame. <laughs> well, you're the soft cost of your time since you're a. Assuming you're a salaried employee, that doesn't hit the P&L anywhere. It doesn't hurt anybody, at least from a very high financial-seeking standpoint. Nobody really sees that unless you talk to your boss about it and that gets funneled up. Hey, we're burning John out because we didn't spend money on something that wouldn't require this kind of white-glove need all the time. Because if, if you're doing that all the time, then it's keeping you maybe from doing some things that you could be doing to enhance the business and enable it to be better, be more profitable. Or something in my personal life away from work, right? My hobbies, my family, um, mm-hmm. something else, right? To, to sure. maintain that balance. So, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I think I, I found that really upsetting, actually. The idea that, you know, you'd have salaried people that could just get called in and work, you know, 50, 60 hours a week supporting uh, a fragile solution instead of having spent more money and having those people uh, not, you know, burn themselves out. It's, you know, the, the cost of support that has to be included um, in the cost of a solution. Um, So people's pay needs to be structured for that, right? You can't have financial incentives for a business to choose a solution that costs a little bit less 
um, but is going to take more employee time to support. And as a result, um, you know, as a result of those employees being salaried employees, you know, not having <laughs> any like actual tangible cost to the company. Right. Um, so you can't just say, Hey, I'm going to spend, you know, $20,000 less, um, on this, uh, solution, uh, because, uh, I'm not going to be paying any more in support costs that I know that I'm going to be having because all my people in IT are salaried. So my incremental labor cost is zero. So, you know, you, you just need to have that structured correctly or, you know, the, the business costs are going to be finding people to replace those people when they quit and move on to do, do something differently. So from an IT management perspective, you know, you need to be tracking what, you know, your labor hours are, you know, from an employee perspective, and then, you know, have a budget in mind, you know, sure, we can go up, you know, 10 hours a quarter, you know, I can spread that out, um, you know, as long as it, maybe that's during the implementation phase, but then when we get to steady state, it should go back to normal, like what, whatever my baseline is, 40 hours a person a week. Um, and if you don't do that, then you're just going to, you know, burden your, your people and they're going to quit and you're going to right. scratch your head. Right. And maybe if so-and-so has to work Saturday, let them have one day during the week off. Sure. Yeah. Give and take. Absolutely. <laughs> not, not just, okay, thanks for doing that. And you're expected to work the whole week too. <laughs> we appreciate your, <laughs> your being an employee. <laughs> yeah. But it, it really is a problem of the company and you you said it very well earlier about you need to be tracking your time and IT management needs to have a handle on that but I would take it further and even go so far as to say they should be communicating that to their management and have someone that's the IT manager who knows how to communicate that to whoever the big boss is whether it's the CFO or the CEO so that that person really understands the business impact or financial impact of this team working so many hours throughout the course of a week, month, whatever it is. Sure. Because, you know, I've talked to HR managers before and had them tell me that they really don't want your employees continuously working 50 hours a week because productivity does go down. Absolutely. And employee turnover goes up. Mm-hmm. Right. So you could, you know, it, it should be, obvious right if you ask people to work 100 hours a week and you're compensating them well you're paying them per hour and they're starting to get double time and maybe even sometimes into golden time like that's what the movie industry calls it when you've been working longer than 24 hours or something and you start making your daily rate every hour wow <laughs> um yeah so uh if you have to do that continuously then people will quit even even though they're making a lot of money Right, because you can do it in spurts, but if it's it seems endless, then people will take a pay cut to to have a better life. Right, that work life yep. balance. That's exactly what we're talking about. So. Exactly. So in that lens, well, let's let's switch to career advancement just real quick, John. When when we say career advancement, does that mean I switch to another company? Does it mean I got a promotion, or does it mean I went and did something different? Yeah, really good point. I, I think that it could mean any one of those things, right? You could be 
just taking on more responsibility and uh, with a better title and more pay at your current employer. It could mean, you know, actually moving, you know, shifting roles, being a people manager. Um, and it could mean changing your company, you know, completely. So, um, yeah, any one of those things. And, and I think work-life balance is different in each one of those situations. If you take on more responsibility at your current employer, um, a lot of times you're not shedding responsibility, right? You're just adding, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> adding stuff to the list of things that you can do. Now, if one of the reasons why you're getting that advancement is that you're very, very good at automating your tasks and you've kind of gotten bored because, you know, what used to take you 40 hours a week now takes you, uh, I don't know, you know, 20 hours and you have all this room, then great. You should be compensated for all the automation that you've done and, you know, given additional responsibilities and a better title and more money, you know, because that's the value that you've brought to the company. Um, and so maybe you can, you know, in that like kind of fantasy, uh, and engagement, you can uh, just keep on adding responsibility without actually throwing your work-life balance uh, out of whack, right? But uh, usually it means, you know, spending more time, at least at first, as you take on additional responsibilities and before you get good at it, so. Right. There is a ramp-up cost to you, the employee who is going to raise your game, so to speak, or start managing people or go in a different direction and having to learn something new to, to really catch up to this, the skills that you need to have to do the job because who's a hundred percent qualified when they start, that's a different conversation, right? Right. But yeah, it, it does seem like career advancement in some way, shape or form will cause work life balance to be out of whack at least for a little while and maybe forever depending on how how big you go and like you said if i'm adding stuff to my plate am i taking things away are they going to go to somebody else are you backfilling what i used to do how how much attention is someone above you paying to that change yeah yeah i i think that you know before you when you would take on that advancement and somebody gives you an option hey we you could do this we could add this list of responsibilities to you. You kind of have to be very careful about that list of responsibilities and take a look at it and say, you know, how long is it going to take for me to get good at each one of those things? Or can I take on, take those things on serially, you know, add one thing, get good at it, recover some time, add the second thing, get good at it, recover some time, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, uh, how can that be structured? But you always have to be aware that during that ramp up time, when you're adding things to your plate, you know, things are, things are going to be in a difficult situation balance wise. And, and sometimes when you change roles, you know, that can just mean um, things are going to be very, very different. For example, you know, I added a, I changed a role um, where I was flying, like probably three weeks out of five, something like that. Oh, wow. And sometimes that would just be, you know, two or three days a week. But, you know, sometimes there's conferences over the weekend and, and things like that. So, you know, that was very, very different for my girlfriend, then fiance, then wife, right? And I, from before when I was, you know, 100% local and, uh, you know, very, very present. So to be away 
you know, that kind of role shift, you know, can throw things out of balance as well. Yeah, that's good. But it also speaks to the point of make sure you know your roles and responsibilities of your current job. Know what you do every day. You know, hopefully you've recorded a little bit about that, whether you've done that in your online resume or or at least in your job description that you're hopefully updating or having someone help you update relatively often. And, and by knowing what you're doing now and the, the processes that you go through, when you talk to someone about maybe adding to that or switching things up, you might be able to have that discussion. Okay, here's what I'm doing right now. I don't think I can do all these things and those four extra. Like you said, let's let's slowly add or help me move these somewhere else. Mm, yeah, right. I, that, I that, it's it that kind of dovetails into a discussion. Um, I think it was uh, Dom Delfino on the Geek Whisperers, like mm-hmm. either the first or second time that he was on, um, they asked him about being a people manager. And he said one of the most important decisions he had to make with everything that got added to his queue of things to do was, do I do it? Do I delegate it? Or I don't remember what the third one was. Delete Disappear. It. Disappear, right. The three D's. (laughs) And that's, you know, I see that every day. You know, my manager definitely delegates things to me, right? And, you know, I'm sure it's because he has, you know, more than he can do. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, you know, that's a really important skill to cultivate if you're a people manager, for example. Um, Or if you're a team lead and you kind of, you know, manage the workflow that comes into the team. You know, that's, that's an important skill to cultivate that, you know, people don't necessarily have when they, when they start out. Right. And you have to take time to focus on that, which is going to take some time away from other things that maybe you were doing before. Right. Right. Yeah. That's all good things. Would you say we answered it? Yeah. Well, I think that maybe one of the things that, you know, I could ask you is, You've you know recently made a career advancement. I would say that's mm-hmm. me, uh, an outside party looking at your career. Um, how has uh, the work life balance changed? Uh, this is your third week at VMware, right? As a systems yeah. engineer, okay. week three at VMware. Yeah, it it's changed in a couple different ways. I mean, I do not have to drive an hour each way to work every day. There are days where I can roll out of bed, eat breakfast, and get straight to work. So by default, I feel like I'm getting more sleep, which definitely helps with work-life balance in general. But I do feel like I'm also, you know, I'm still going through the onboarding training and orientation, which is actually quite involved in a company like VMware, and trying to get that under my belt while I also learn more of the product line and more of what's expected of me in the role. So I, I have been putting a lot of time into that because, I mean, I, I want to ramp up so that I can do a good job. So I would say it's it's out of balance a little bit right now, tilting toward working more than, you know, having a life outside. But I am trying to put some boundaries on that so that it doesn't get to be too terribly awful. Sure. So I, you, I've been if, told... Oh, if, go I, ahead. if I understand... What, correctly what you said you've recovered 10 hours a week of commuting yeah um are you saying that you've added more than 10 hours a week just because of this ramp up 
I think I think I've replaced that time. <laughs> yeah. For the most part to mm-hmm. to try and ramp up. That makes sense, but that ramp up time doesn't last forever is no. kind of there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um so I yeah, that that makes total sense. And you're probably facing something that I faced, which was you know, I thought I knew VMware products, but it, you know, I actually knew this corner. And yeah. actually there's this huge portfolio of products, you know, that I didn't know about <laughs> or what, I knew the names of, but I didn't know the depth of, right? What I've learned is how much I don't know about VMware products. <laughs> well, that that is the first part of the journey. <laughs> That's right. And and it's really good, you know, when your mentor tells you, "Hey man, Nobody expects you to work on the weekend. We we really there are going to be times when you have to, but for the most part, try and disconnect. Yeah. And I've even heard my my boss say that he has made people take mandatory vacation because they were burning it too hard. And mm. that's I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that he does that. So he is watching. That's terrific. That's terrific. That that maybe is a uh, a a topic that we can talk about. Um in the future, like we work for a company that has unlimited vacation. Oh right? yeah. So how do you manage that? Like how much vacation to take? And, uh, because with unlimited vacation comes the idea that you're not tracking vacation and you're not accumulating vacation. So when, and if you leave the company, you don't either, you know, take all your accumulated vacation or get a check for that accumulated vacation. You have to, use it because nobody will ever give it back to you right so yeah so uh, maybe make a note of that and talk about yeah it. i like that, that idea yeah but but vacation time is really important and you know if you're a vacation time hoarder you know if you're in a company <laughs> where you accumulate vacation you know think about what it is that you're doing if you never take any vacation and you just have a whole bunch of time saved up and you're not using it um you know that that's that's not necessarily a good thing, right? It, it's a good no. thing only in this special case where you're this tenured employee that just gets tons and tons of vacation time and uh, there's just no way that you can use it all or that the company can afford for you to be away, um, you know, but the vacation that you do take, you know, you, you feel pretty good about. That's Right, and it goes back to do you actually have the coverage, on your team to be able to take that vacation and truly disconnect to where you're not fielding calls from work. Because if you have to answer two or three calls, maybe the, each one was only five minutes, but that's not really a vacation day. Nope. My, my uncle actually said something to the effect of, he felt like telling his boss, okay, if I'm taking the day off and you've called me five times, uh, you I should give that me that day back. back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And I think actually there are or can be state laws uh, reflecting that, right? So if you're taking, you know, eight hours of vacation for, for that day and you have to work over a certain amount of time, then you should get some of those vacation hours back. Right. Definitely. Good stuff. I agree. Cool. Great discussion for another day, for sure. Yeah. We can deep dive on that. I think that my addition to this work-life balance thing is there's there's always reasons to be doing work right you 
can feel like you're in danger of losing your job or you feel at risk or, you know, and on the positive scale, you're just so in love with what it is that you do and you are so intrigued and interested by it that you, you know, you find it difficult to unplug from. And, you know, that's, that's still being out of balance, right? Um, yep. If you are neglecting your family life, you know, your hobbies, anything else that's, that's actually important to you. Right. And if you look at those things and go, well, they're not that important. Um, then that's, that's also, uh, an aspect of that. You probably need to reexamine that. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of interesting because in the times where you feel like you can't let go the most, those are actually the times when you need to let go the most. At least that's what I've found. Sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You need to, to, to find times to unplug, to recharge, mm-hmm. right? If, if it is important for the company to have you at its, at your best, then you need to do what you need to do to be at your best and not 80%, yes. 70%, 60%, right? Right. Absolutely. Cool. We ready to switch topics? Absolutely. I think we, I think we did that one justice. Nice. Terrific. Okay. So let's talk about Lauren Malhoit's tweet on the very last tweet watch, 2017 tweet watch, tweet watch. Great. <laughs> so Lauren had this, uh, tweet. It was the 8th of December, 2017, uh, 10 2 PM Pacific time. Uh, but not sure what time that is. Uh, for her local or where you, the uh, listener, happens to be. But the question was, what do you guys think about getting away from the hero slash rock star worship in the tech industry? We're all just people, dot, dot, dot. So very, fir- you know, very first, like, I, I think this is an issue, an interesting idea of, uh, you know, rock star worship, like, but can you answer the question, uh, who's Lauren Malhoit and, uh, where did you first come across her and, and in what context? I remember listening to some V Brown bag shows about the VCP and she was a host on a couple different ones. I think Manny Sadu was the presenter that night, but so I heard her there and then I heard her on a data knots podcast and she got into network automation pretty heavy and, now she's a host on Cisco TechWise TV, also the co-host of the Tech Village podcast, published author, plural site author, binge watcher. <laughs> and I th- it was probably just one of the people that I'm following on Twitter retweeted this particular tweet that she tweeted out. So we're not that far from being connected to one another. And uh, it just kind of caught me as, OK, that's that's very true. You know, we maybe we don't think about that all the time, but. If you if you're paying attention and you're following industry news, reading blogs, a lot of the time you are led back to the same bloggers or contributors busting out very good articles, helpful articles. Maybe they're visionary in nature or just very technical overviews of of some new tech. And maybe someone who's a very established blogger, podcaster, they're they worked their way from internal IT all the way up to CTO of some massive company. And they just really have a lot of street cred. You know, you 
you might kind of be a little bit nervous about even having a conversation with that person because you're not sure that you stack up to ask an intelligent question, you know? Like if I want to go ask John Nicholson something, he's a pretty smart dude. You know, he knows a lot about storage. So if I'm asking him what NVMe means, that that may <laughs> that kind of makes me feel dumb. Something Googleable. Yeah. So we we get this idea that these people are are rock stars, and you know they kind of become people we admire. We want to maybe make a name for ourselves in a in a way similar to that. Obviously, we don't want to steal identity, but you know, we would like to be the people speaking at conferences and and getting some attention. Maybe maybe that's it. People want to be validated by others to know that they are doing a good job mm. or that what they are sharing is valuable. And so if you were to meet one of these folks who's big in the industry, like maybe a Chris Wall, Duncan Epping, you you kind of would like to look smart when you talk to them, wouldn't mm. you think? Yeah, actually, you know, I that is like one of my first instincts and I actually uh am trying very hard to shed it because the results are sometimes, you know, I would find myself asking a question and the real point of the question is I I just really need for you to know how smart I am. Um <laughs> you know, I'm pretty smart and this question is all about how smart I am. So uh, that's not actually that useful when interacting with somebody, right? They no. want to be treated as a human being, you know, most likely. that That's a good default uh, position to take, that someone doesn't have just a massive ego and need that ego stroked. Um, right. So you don't need to mention that you already read their book and, you know, you own three copies of, you know, XYZ and blah, blah, blah. You know, they just want you know, genuine engagement, you know? So sometimes it's, it's thanking them and saying, Hey, yeah, you know, I think you wrote this thing once and it, you know, positively impacted me this way. I, I think that's legit. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe it's not a good question in a, in a VM world session, <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, uh, when you ask questions at, at conference sessions, you know, that probably needs to be like actual questions, and, you know, in generic situations that, you know, are applicable to, you know, quite a few people. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I think that the the worship and like putting people up on a pedestal is not that helpful. Like that, that doesn't there's no positive outcome for that. Right. There's no reason for that. You can be appreciative of people for doing work that's very very helpful and i think mm -hmm. for example you know william lom is mm -hmm. somebody who i've followed his blog you know for a really long time and i'm like man this guy is doing the work the work that i wish that i had the time to do and it's yeah. like, you know in incredibly beneficial for him and his career and where he's gotten and that's awesome that's terrific for him but like you know hero worship like you know what that doesn't help him, right? Like for me to, you know, put him up on a pedestal doesn't help him. But what is helpful, like hopefully, is when I retweet something and I say, hey, I found this very helpful in this situation. If you're in this situation, you might want to check out this blog post. That, I think, is kind of helpful. 
right? Oh, yeah. Um, and it's I, helpful to other people as well as to him. So, uh, And I think it makes the person who wrote it, like William Lamb, for example, feel good. Like they made a positive contribution. And, you know, we talked about this before we started recording. There was a really good virtually speaking podcast this past week that we'll have to link to in the show notes with John Nicholson, Duncan Ebbing, and and Pete Fletcher. And, you know, a lot of people know who Duncan Epping is. And he talked about how his first public speaking experience was at VMworld <laughs> and how humbling and intimidating that was for him. And Too funny, it, right? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's I don't said, know about – oh, go ahead. Yeah, he said his first uh, was at VMworld and then his next one was at a VMUG. And he recommended doing it in the opposite order. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But what what really has astounded me, John, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but when I've read people's blogs and maybe tweeted it out on online and and tagged them in it, they've always been very appreciative that I found it useful. Because if I, I see something cool, I, I want to share it with other people. But everyone I've met, when I've asked their advice or, or asked more detail about something they've written, whether they know me or not, I feel like that is always met with humility and a sense of appreciation. In that same podcast, Duncan Epping is talking about how he is always encouraging people that they do have a story to tell at a VMUG or or whatever stage they want to take, that they can contribute something to the larger community and that that larger community wants people to do that sort of thing and wants people to succeed in that forum. Absolutely. You know, it's all about community coming together to move the entire community forward, right? Yeah. It's, it's not about, I mean, it's different from maybe what you read in the tabloids or, or see on TV about Hollywood it's it's not the same in the IT community, at least in my opinion. Maybe there are some people who are in it for the fame, but it's the people who are in it for the community, and once they've made a name for themselves, really just continue to promote community at, as a way of either paying back or or just trying to lift others up. I think you once told me, you know, always be looking forward, but look behind you as well. Yeah, yeah. What can you do to bring other people along with you? I think that's kind of a, you know, a really good measure of the positive impact that you're having on the community, right? It's it's not just about what you achieve; it's it's what you've uh, added back, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're if you're putting someone in the place of a hero slash rock star and you're worshiping them, aren't you kind of in a way setting them up for failure because they're going to disappoint you? Yeah, it's like you've yeah. taken that humanity aspect out of it. That's very true. It's very true. When you put somebody up on a pedestal, it's, uh, you know, it's a painful fall, right? So, yes. <laughs> right. And and we just have to, you know, acknowledge that there's people who are just very, very good at making discoveries of information and then, you know, creating content that helps other people. And that's fine. That's great. You know, they are terrific at that and they should be acknowledged for that. And we should appreciate them for the skill that they have at that. Um, Absolutely. You know, let's, 
let's not uh you know say it's not this like i don't know communist ideal we're all equals you know we're some people are better at things than others and some people have more time and resources you know to do things than than other people and Mm -hmm. uh you know it's but let's just acknowledge that we're all human beings treat each other accordingly that's where it starts for sure as far as you know just putting this in the context of career advancement it just kind of popped in my mind that it's always something that i do that you know if i'm at a conference or even in a smaller classroom environment and somebody says something that i find really important i always actually send out a linkedin um invite and and include a note in that invite saying hey i'm you know either sitting in or just exited session number, blah, 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 where you're the presenter. You said this really interesting thing. I uh, super appreciate it. You know, it's uh, immediately, you know, kind of changed some things and the way that I think about things, uh, you know, in certain situations that I'm in and uh, just really appreciate it. Send out a LinkedIn invite. And more often than not, those people will accept that invite and are appreciative of, of the, uh, the nice thoughts as well. And, yeah. Um, you know, but now you're connected and now you can, you know, offer more appreciation for other things that they they write. And it's somebody that you might, uh, you know, fall into a, uh, a private discussion or they might say, hey, I'm actually kind of, you know, coming to the city that you're in. Uh, do you want to, you know, come to the stock that I'm giving or, you know, get you an invite or get you into something? I mean, that that definitely is possible. And you know, now it's a relationship, right? So, yeah. And you never know when someone like that might turn into your mentor. Yeah. You know, they, you may start talking to them about some bit of advice they gave in the talk and it exposes a a little bit longer story that you didn't get to hear in the session. And they give you some really good advice that changes your career. I mean, maybe, maybe they advise you to shift directions and and go and do xyz whatever those things are as opposed to the plans you had and that can that can make a big change because there are there are people who are very well known that are happy to help others at whatever place they are in their career get better definitely because really the overall goal of this community that we're part of whatever community you are part of is to help each other get better, learn more, do things better. And I, th- I think that even the well-known folks are, are promoting that ideal. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Great. Have we covered that? I think so. Cool. You're still my hero, John. <laughs> That's not what I was... <laughs> 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 just thought I'd throw that in there. But I don't I don't worship you. You're just my hero. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We we need to have some uh maybe we can pull some actual rock stars into this discussion and uh uh talk to them about it. It, it is interesting though. I think uh this is a story that I've told you before that I was at uh, VMworld 2017 in Las Vegas and I was working at the hands-on labs and I stepped outside just to stretch my legs and, and Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of VMware walked by and I think he was on his way to a meeting or something, but he didn't have a handler. He didn't have a staff around him. He just walked by 
And I went, huh, that was Pat Gelsinger. And then maybe a day or two later, I saw, um, I think it was Wade Holmes. Um, but my memory's a little bit fuzzy. And Wade Holmes is a, a, in tech marketing for the network and security business unit, I believe. And I think he must have just given a session or something. But he's, he's just walking down the hallway and like he was just surrounded by people. Like there, I assume that some of them had, you know, listened to a session or something. But you know, this is a an industry where the CEO of the company can walk down the hall and nobody stops him or says anything to him. But you know, a tech marketer, you know, can't get five feet without having people <laughs> mob him. <laughs> now, was it were they essentially his paparazzi? I mean, were people flashing pictures all over the place and just <laughs> throwing up recorders in his face? That is so interesting because that that would be the parallel, but no, I think they were probably if they were if they were like me um at the when I was a customer or just going to VMworld, then they were asking questions where the point was to show how smart they were. Um, mm. But maybe that's just me uh, projecting my weaknesses onto everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see it now. Is it true, Wade, that microsegmentation can be used even in the smallest of shops with NSX? What's your <laughs> What's your take on that? Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> now it's my job to ask those leading questions, right, with the specialist exactly. in the room. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll I'll stop. Uh, flagellating myself about uh about my weaknesses <laughs> we all have them yeah all right well uh if it's if that's it for that segment um i think that's it for all the topics we had planned uh anything pop into your mind while we were talking i don't think so i think i let it all out all right <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen in that case um Farewell, listeners. Uh, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd. Signing off. See you later.